Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome everybody to Inside LA Sundays at uh, Long Beach. I want to chat today about um, energy. Um, how many of us wouldn't mind a little more energy? <laughs> like most of the time we're seeking more energy. So um, this is also translated to effort or determination on the path, but we're going to speak of it in maybe a little bit broader terms. I'm going to use notes. I have a love-hate relationship with notes, but I'm going to try. There's some things I don't want to, don't want to forget today. So, energy is one of the seven factors of enlightenment. It's one of the lists of many lists in Buddhism. And there's a lot of overlapping elements to the seven factors of enlightenment. This is maybe why it's not a standout list, because it overlaps with the Brahma Viharas and uh, the Eightfold Path and whatnot. But I'll just kind of go through them so you have an idea. Um, this one you've never heard of. It's mindfulness. <laughs> Sati. The next one is keen investigation of the Dharma. So this is like keen investigation into the true nature of reality. What are the factors? Energy, which we'll be chatting about today. Rapture or happiness. I really like this one. Um, maybe we'll do a, a talk on this one soon because this one's left out a lot um, because it's very close to attachment. So we don't talk a lot about rapture, like the, the joy of the practice, which is very important to talk about, and the happiness and the, the fruit of the practice. Um, there's always um, an idea that if we talk about it, then we're going to get attached or we're going to get conceptual, like, I want happiness, so uh, as part of the practice. Calm, a sense of calm. Concentration, again, you see that overlapping with the Eightfold Path. And equanimity. Overlapping with the Brahma Paharas, so equanimity is as part of the heart practices. And so usually with with this uh, traditionally with this factor of of energy, we're looking at energy in three in a threefold aspect. So energy towards our practice in a few different ways. A lot of the time is spent talking about energy in regards to character building. So the energy that it takes to cultivate the wholesome and to let go of the unwholesome. So the energy that it takes, the, the mindfulness and whatnot, that it takes to cultivate what is wholesome and to let go of what is not wholesome. The second one is the uh, spiritual training. So this is a lot of what we just the practice, right? The energy that it takes to cultivate the practice, to come to the, to the meditation and whatnot. So the energy that it takes for the actual practice. The, the third element is the energy that it takes for bodhicitta to arise. This is the sincere wish, wish to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. So the energy that it takes for bodhicitta to arise, so the heart opening to take place. So these three things. 
But we're not going to talk about any of that. <laughs> kind of. Not really. We will. But I want to kind of give you a traditional overview of where it is. But I actually want to talk about the sources of energy. And a lot of times the sources of energy are also the, the places where we could find energy being depleted as well. Um, uh, me personally, I've always, um, for, for quite a long time, I've been trying to investigate, like, how much energy does it take? Like, almost wanting to quantify it. How much energy does it take for a shift to happen or anything to happen, whether it be a transformation of, of some kind within myself? But how much energy does it take on a very mundane level, like, how much energy does it take to, to move a house, you know, to like, not like to move the belongings in someone's home, right? <laughs> not to move out. But how much energy does it take to get ourselves to the cushion? How much energy does it take to make breakfast? How much energy does it take to get here? And, and so how much energy does it take to do a certain task to get ready in the morning? We never realize how much energy it takes to do something until we're sick, Right or we're ailing, or we have a severe lack of motivation, or we have an injury. And then we're like, wow, that takes a lot of energy <laughs> to do this one thing. And so what we're looking for in, in our practice is what is the energy that it's going to take to create repeatable actions? So the energy that it takes to create repeatable actions, repeatable actions our cause for transformation to take place, right? So we have to um, to check in and use mindfulness to see what are the elements, whether it is to, but the elements of energy, whether it's to get to the cushion in the morning, to make breakfast, to change something about our character, like what are the elements of energy that take place for all of those things to happen? So that's what I want to go over today. And maybe you could add to this, because this is kind of a personal investigation, kind of what I've come up with myself. And I'm sure it's maybe in the text and stuff too. But So one of the aspects where we find a lot of um, energy output, output and input, depending on the way that we're relating to it, is mental energy. How many of you have felt fatigued due to, due to worry or concern? Anybody? <laughs> Ever? <laughs> it's amazing, like this mental energy that can really bring us, you know, bring our energy down, it can really suck the energy out of us. It's interesting we say to, to ourselves, hopefully, or other people, like, you know, that's just not worth your energy. If somebody's kind of caught and hooked on something and they're going over and over again and we'll say, you know, that's not worth your energy. That's just not worth it. But it's not physical. It's like this mental, you know, this loop. But it could really bring us down. But then how many of us have felt inspired by positive reflections? Whether you're reading a book and these positive mental reflections begin to arise in your mind or you hear a teaching, or you go to you know, a sit or something like this, and then you're reflecting positively, how many of you have felt a boost in your energy due to that? Yeah? 
And so we see that you know, this is an element that through our mindful reflection that we could either you know, absorb more energy or we could see <coughs> the depletion of energy. And so in regards to the practice, and I think this is a good time to say like in all of these things where when we're looking at the different sources of energy and whatnot, we want to look at it with a lot of loving kindness, a lot of openness, and we're not going to war with ourselves, especially with this mental one. You know, we can go at war. We could be at war with our minds, saying, this is a good thought, that's a bad thought, and then, gosh, I keep thinking about bad thoughts, and then now I feel shame and guilt <laughs> for thinking of the bad thoughts, and then that's just another hook, you know. But if we meet it with love, now there's a sense of openness. Like we're doing it because this is more loving and kind to ourselves. You know, not because um, we're trying to kick ourselves in the ass hard enough, long enough, and then we're going to get better. You know, not like that. But with the motivation of loving kindness. And, you know, I, I, I didn't put it in here, actually, but... Um, Words, like the words that we say to ourselves are very important. Like the actual, the negative self-critic here in the mental mind and, and all that stuff, very important. Words are very, very powerful, obviously. But how we speak to ourselves, this is all part of that. And so we're using this to guide ourselves, and there's a very traditional practice more in the Tibetan world of really visualizing yourself how you want to be. You know, they, they do this with the DED practices and whatnot. So what is the vision of ourselves that we want to be? Like, what is that mental construct? So we're, we are all the time maybe putting limitations on ourselves, and there's an idea of ourselves. Do you know what I mean by this? We have like an inner persona. Like, I could do this, but I can't do that. You know, there's an idea where there's some limitations and some boundaries, and then also there's an idea that I, I am who I was yesterday, you know? And we're, we're self-creating this thing that continues. Like, I'm the person I was yesterday. I can't be that new person yet, you know? And this is kind of who I am. I've been told this. Um, other people have told me this. And so part of this on the positive end of things is allowing ourselves to grow and expand into that which we want to be. So we could do a reflection of this and actually like a visualization practice and an envisioning practice of what character traits, because this is where it's done traditionally, you know, do, um, do I need more patience? You know, do I need more courage, do I feel, um, in my life? Uh, this is what we're doing in Metta, right? This is what we're doing in loving-kindness practice, yeah? <coughs> we're cultivating more loving-kindness. So all of that mental energy feeds upon itself. Right? The more we project and we're in tune with that, the more energy that we have to do more of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's like a cycle. Yeah. So mental energy. I have something here. I'm going to wait till another piece. But So the second piece, um, physical energy. How many of us want more physical energy? 
all want more physical energy. Um, you know, physical energy with in regards to the practice, um, I think it's something that's, I think the mind-body connection right now, I, I think we're very awake and aware to it. But the food that we eat, I know I used to wake up when I lived at Atlanta Medicine Buddha and they had this granola that I totally loved. It was like this insane handmade granola. And if I meditated before I ate the granola, um, I felt I, I could reflect on before and after I ate the granola because the granola was high in sugar. So I'd meditate before and I'd have a certain quality of medica uh, meditation. And then I'd eat this awesome granola and it was high in sugar and I could feel the sugar. Mm -hmm. So I could feel the agitation in mind. I could say, okay, that's definitely agitation in mind and body. You know, I could feel this, you know. So, and again, I want to just keep going through like loving kindness and whatnot as we talk about food <coughs> and, you know, nourishing the body and all that. Yet we have to recognize that taking care of the body has a lot to do with our spiritual practice. Exercising the body, the food that we put into the body. Obviously, we could feel sluggish or we could feel alert. A lot of the food that, all of the comfort, not all, but a lot of times with the comfort food, how is the quality of mind after the comfort food? You know, not so spooky. <coughs> you know, it's really nice. Uh, maybe many of you have gone on retreat and eat, like, retreat food. Um, I would love to do, like, have a restaurant called, like, Retreat food, <laughs> like retreat food restaurant, because the retreat food is so good. It's like mostly all vegetarian, not a lot of dairy, um, and they're like alive foods. There's a lot of alive foods that you could eat, uh, vegetables and salads and um, seeds and granola, um, but oatmeal. So this has a lot of difference, and again, like what we're what I'm going over, it's quite obvious stuff, right, our mental energy, but pay attention, like, what type, with my physical body, how is that supporting my practice, what kind of energetic aspect is my body either assisting me with, or is it taking away, right, so being mindful of that, and also, too, <laughs> it's hard to get to the cushion sometimes, right, just like the action of getting to the cushion, this is something with the mental energy that we could even visualize. We could visualize ourselves because there's a there's kind of like you know a step by step process of like visualization and then and then the actual action and then like the fruition. You know, you could visualize yourself even going to the cushion. You know, and and actually sitting down. Or, I mean, the energy, like I said, to come here. There's a lot of physical actions that it took, you know, to get here. And just paying attention to that. Like, what what is our physical actions? How many of those physical actions, like, move towards the practice? Coming to the Sangha. You know, it's kind of a, a magnetic thing and about this repetition. The more that we do, the more we can do. Right? And it goes with everything. The more times you come here, there's that energy of that. The more times you sit, there's an energy of that. The more, the more you eat good food, the easier it is to eat good food. The more times you eat bad food the easier it is to eat bad food, right? So what are we doing with this energy, with the physical body? 
How many of you ever got caught up with emotions? Anyone here with emotions? Anybody? Never. Never? No. Yeah. We Emotions can have a lot of energy. Jealousy. Yeah? Are emotions energy? Is everything energy? I think, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Like, this is kind of part of that investigation is that almost everything has an energetic aspect. You know, a thought is an energetic, is an energy. You know, it's like a spinning um, energetic force, you know. So emotions, I think emotions can create what I was referring to as this gross physical energy. Like, anger can produce a physical energy. Um, sadness, physical energy, joy, um, you know, bliss, or, uh, you know, calm, like all this, it, it has these energies to it. So, relating to these, the, to the emotion, we could either, we could use it for our practice, and again, too, this is really just a mindfulness piece, um, but cultivating, this is a Vedana practice, right? Cultivating the positive emotions. Like we went over this, I think, a couple of times ago. Or was it in the class that I'm teaching? I forget. But <laughs> pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, right? So we can pay attention. And, of course, we want to cultivate the pleasant. And this is part of the negativity bias of the mind that we cultivate the unpleasant a lot by repetition, by mental repetition. So if we have a joyful experience, we're not as likely to recall that joyful experience. But if we have a slightly negative experience, we're more likely to actually rehash that. Right. So this is being mindful of the energy of emotions is to cultivate and to remember the pleasant. But also, if we all sat right here, and maybe we did this in meditation, and if you, and if you sat and thought of the happiest time of your life, how would that feel energetically in your body? Good. It would feel good, yeah? <clears throat> so being mindful of that, so we could do that. We're not crazy if we're driving to work and recalling a really happy memory. I'll give you full permission <laughs> to do that. Yeah. It's kind of odd that we feel totally fine recalling out of the blue a negative experience like that fits so well unless it's just me <laughs> but if i just recall like you know just spend 20 minutes or so recalling really happy times in my life it's a practice like i gotta practice that <laughs> you know it's not necessarily something that just pops up all the time like oh i remember that joyful experience and that joyful experience so but being aware of this, we can practice it, and then that becomes habitual. Right? So, I think you, you see all these tie together, of course, like the mental hooks and the emotional hooks. So, if we keep going with those those negative emotions, right? A negative emotion, the the chemical output of a negative emotion lasts how long? Ninety seconds, right? So chemically in the body, a negative emotion or an emotion lasts 90 seconds unless we enhance it. 
and then we can keep that sucker going for like <laughs> months, days, yeah. Right? We can just keep it going, right? <coughs> and if we do, it relates to our energy, the energy that in this precious human life that is temporary, you know, like a dewdrop on a blade of grass, right? This is that contemplation of, of dukkha. Now, this is suffering and karma and whatnot. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with this, this time? Right. Love. Love is the next source of energy. How many of you done some crazy stuff for love? <laughs> <laughs> crazy, all-encompassing. What did she say? She said, how much time do we have? How much time do we have? <laughs> 24-7 craziness. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy in love. Um, there's maybe more energy in attachment, <laughs> which we confuse for love. <laughs> like how many, how many of you have done crazy things because of attachment? <laughs> um, but both of them. I just, when I'm driving to work sometimes, I try to do a, a meta practice and thinking, look at all these beautiful beings that have woke up this morning for love. Like they're on their commute. They have, you know, babies at home, loved ones at home, people that they're supporting. They woke up for themselves, like self love, going to work, doing what they need to do. It's very, very precious. You know, like I call them everyday heroes, you know, the people, the, the single parents or just a single person suffering from uh, mental health issues or something and like getting up, putting on their clothes, taking the shower, like going to work, like that's just like, oh, just breaks my heart, you know. But like all of that is just done for love. There's so much energy in love. What we want to do for ourselves and others on an everyday basis, on just the little things, you know, cleaning out the the kitty litter box, you know, I feel so much love for my cat, because I want to keep it so clean for her, you know, like those little things, I mean, that's energy, that's that, all that energy in there, right, and so, you know, this ties into the next one, which is sexual energy, um, how many of you done some crazy things for sexual energy? <laughs> With sexual energy, like, bruh. Um, this, is, this is one that's, like, sexual energy is something that is, in spiritual practice, like, pointed to very directly as a source for our, that can be converted very quickly to spiritual practice, right? Obviously, they do this in the, the tantras and whatnot, but Master Choa, Master Cho Kuk Sui was a pranic healer and spiritual teacher, and he would have us, he was one of my first teachers, and he would have us, which I think is a very brilliant thing, and it works tremendously. And he would just, he says, you have an overabundance of sexual energy, you just, it's just like a Qigong practice almost. You just, you just grab it, you just grab it, and he'd have us bring it up to our heart. So you could do this internally, obviously. Most of the spiritual practice are take, is taking that sexual energy and moving it up the Shushmana channel, um, the central channel internally, but he would just grab it and work it up and put it onto the heart chakra and then keep going and pull it up, pull it up, and you could feel it. 
and put it on the crown. And it would be like kind of like this umbrella, like going up or out, like that. Just pull it up, pull it up. And to, to use it, to bring it up, because what we want to do is we want to bring that up to the higher centers. We want to bring that sexual energy up to the heart. We want to bring it up to the crown, right, into the higher centers. Nothing wrong with the lower centers, but if we have an overabundance of that, then that turns into lust and into desire. And lust is, um, breeds selfish, uh, selfishness. Right, and so we're trying to open our hearts and feel this connectivity and interdependence of all beings, and that comes when the energy comes up into the heart. Right, so it's not selfish anymore. Nothing wrong with that energy, but this is very individual energy, individualistic energy. We want that energy to come up before all beings. Right, and that's that part of the traditional practices. What is the energy that it takes? For that bodhisattva vow to arise experientially, right? What is that? What energy does it take for that to happen? And that's this is part of the type of energy that needs to be transmuted. You know. All right, am I doing on time? Overtime, like usual. <laughs> Where I thought I'd be. So we have gone through mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, love energy, sexual energy. And the last one would be spiritual energy. Spiritual energy. It was neat. Um, Katie and I, um, Katie, raise your hand. <laughs> Just randomly, for those of you, my fiance, Katie. Um, Katie and I were watching, well, I was watching, she was asleep. Um, uh, Ant Man, there's like Ant Man. It's like, what's that? Wasp. Wasp? Yeah, yeah. So it's this, um, you know, it's an action hero where they can get really small. And then they went into the quantum field, you know. And it was neat where they were like bottling up, bless you, bottling up quantum energy and then bringing it back to the physical plane, like one of the last parts of the movie. And I thought that was really interesting because I really feel this experientially in meditation. Like that's how I've described it. You know, like Amma says, I'm not connected to this source. I am the source. They said, you know, Amma, how could you hug 40,000 people without stopping? You know, she hugged the whole stadium in India one time. And she says, you guys are confused because they said, how much, how, how can you have that much energy? He says, you know, you're confused. You think I'm connected to a source. She says, I am the source. And this is like us, like in meditation, we can release, you know, this, this individualistic concept, right? And as those, and that I that thinks it's separate from all things, as that starts to, to vanish away, you know, to, to slip away, then we could just absorb the energy of all things, as all things. And this is that infinite supply. So this is that infinite supply of energy that, that Amma is talking about. Amma's a hugging saint for you. You can Google her. She's an amazing being. Um, yeah, so this is this is the spiritual energy. Now, this is also within, I think it's so beautiful, we talk about energy, outside energy and food energy and whatnot. The most powerful energy that we have is the energy within our own beings. This is that connection um, that we have. So when we go into meditation, like I mentioned, we can slip like... Um, almost like the into the wisdom mind of 
oneness. Or like Nigga Rinpoche says, it's not one, but it's it's not two. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's not one. It's not one, but it's not none. This is is just a beingness, right? But there's also an energy source. So many of you are familiar with Kundalini and Pranayama practices. Pranayama practices, right? So there is energy sources within our own being that are extremely powerful and help clear away the ignorance of separateness. So this energy, as we cultivate it, can help purify the mind to see clearly, right? Which we can get into that another time. So mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, love energy, sexual energy, and spiritual energy itself. So those are aspects of, and with all of those, we can, um, we can misuse them. I misuse, maybe I want to put it positively, but it's like, you know, we could direct those in unwholesome ways, like in, in all of those, right? So part of our practice, our, the, which again, I want to be driven by love, is that by waking up to these, then we could be more compassionate and wisdom um, or use our wisdom mind to take the appropriate action to do what's more stimulating, right, for our practice. Okay, so I want to go, let's see. <clears throat> so I've been talking quite a while. Maybe let's, um, maybe it's a good time to maybe just see if we can maybe go into um, smaller groups and just see how this landed for you and maybe in respect to where do you find to keep it on a positive level where do you find out of all of these and I can kind of say them out loud again but where do you find the storehouse of energy for you like what helps you the most also, uh, I, what I forgot too about the sexual energy, that's really creation energy. So if you're a creative type, artistic type, um, you know, that comes from that source of that creation energy too. But maybe where do you find um, the brightest source of energy? Some people are really physical and it's through exercise that they really feel invigorated. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's more intellectual stimulus. Sometimes it's like more meditation based. Where do you find that spark for you? So maybe turn towards the people um, sitting next to you. Maybe no, no groups larger than three. So two or three. Yeah, does anyone want to share with the big group, um, the larger group? Kate is a mom of two. <laughs> unreasonable. Yeah. Unreasonable beings. Unreasonable people. <laughs> <laughs> Her perspective of energy. Unreasonable to who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I realized yeah, what... Yeah. what uh, Self-compassion or just a little kindness is really an energy booster mm. for me, really. Um, when the critic is around or that, you know, those thoughts are there, that that is really um, provides just sweet kind of energy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What I really enjoyed about the whole thing is that um, by bringing up energy and having it be in those different categories, you know, all of them bring us to our body, you know, mm -hmm. to feel. And and I think body-based awareness is where it's at. And and there really is when, you know, with, with all of us that we're talking here, there is this thing about 
when you come into your body and you notice, be it a food you eat or a person you talk with, or, you know, there is either an upliftment or there's a depletion, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to experiment with that in your life or, you know, by consciousness, by being aware and just noticing that. And, and um, I mean, you know, and again, in a loving, compassionate way, try not to judge it like, oh, he's an asshole. You know, not like that, but like, oh, wow, I, I feel like my energy just got sucked away, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever. So, thank you. It's really, really yeah. powerful one today. Thank you. I'm always a big fan of creative flow. I mean, as a way of, you know, un unblocking, of just like letting go of the <coughs> cerebral like, fatigue. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, also the, and that creative flow can be out of making some sort of art or writing, but it can also just be whatever your flow modality is. Mm -hmm. Both of these uh, guys I was talking with were talking about their love of being out in nature and climbing and stuff like that mm -hmm. and just how it gives them ease to do that so um, creative flow was, was a big thing um, and just in general I mean in that as they're talking about the physicality um, a lot of times when I'm feeling tired it's because my chi is just kind of stagnant and I need to get up and move so. yeah thank you and Rick teaches qigong too so all about energy. <laughs> yeah. I notice the more I'm in my thoughts and in my head and in the past and in the future, uh, the more it sucks your energy. And the more energy you use, the more energy you have. So the more I sit, the more I sit. The less I sit, the less I sit. The more I exercise, the more I exercise. Mm -hmm. Inertia. Yeah, so it, it, uh, I enjoyed your talk on energy. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like maybe sometimes energy directed in an unwholesome way can be energy that's like running too hot. You know, mm. like something can be um, that I want to invigorate myself. I need a little more energy, but I don't want to overdo it. You know, like um, like from like you were saying from sugar or whatever, you can feel yeah. it burning. Like there's a there's an energy that's running a little too hot that you don't that yeah. you don't want. Um, so I don't want it to be I don't want to be depleted, but I also don't want to be running too hot. There is yeah. something to pay attention to be in the middle. Right. You know, yeah the agitation the and dullness is like yes. being this high rev almost anxiety. Yeah. But like un unwholesomeness could be in one of two directions, mm -hmm. too much or too Absolutely. Little. Yeah. Yeah, looking for equanimity in the energy levels mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's a good one too is like how do we, it's like an alchemy right like when we take that energy that's too high rev like how do we transform that you know how could we work with that and one way to do it is to lessen our aversion to know that our aversion is compassion you know where whenever we have an aversion to that ailment or high anxiety oh I don't like the way this feels say well may I be free from this suffering that's really what I'm saying you know because with a different relationship to it, of course, it could enhance it, you know, mm -hmm. aversion and whatnot. So, and then trying to just soften it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm really new to meditation. I just started a couple weeks ago. Lucky you. Beginner's <laughs> mind. We're all trying to get back to you. 
was something I shared with the group I was with was, and now that I'm thinking about it, was a, I noticed a change in my energy. Um, I, I take care of my mother-in-law, and the way that it all happened, obviously stuff like that, you know, usually isn't by choice, <laughs> you know, how it all happens. And I was struggling for a while, um, mentally, you know, emotionally, with that. And through this, um, n not just her, oh God, um, <laughs> that sounded bad. Um, just with the giving. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My oldest son just had turned 18, like the week before I inherited mm. taking care of her. So it was, I was looking forward mm. to some me time. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> so um, when that happened, you know, I was struggling. And in the last couple of weeks, there's been a shift in some piece of my energy and my insights to the point where I'm seeing the situation a little differently, and I'm I'm um, I'm not upset about it, and is angry or like <laughs> like I I just. I have more energy to do what I need to do because I'm not thinking about what I have to do. I'm just getting up and doing it, and I and I have a compassion that I didn't. I was, I knew I needed and would waffle with, you know, but I like couldn't tap into that compassion um, as regularly. Right. And so now I feel I don't feel as tired. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. It's a beautiful practice. Caregiving is wonderful. Yeah, ask Kate. <laughs> it's interesting. The Buddha said the giver should be thankful because of the properties that it leads to in your mind. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, I just want to finish a little story of gratitude this morning. I was speaking with a woman in Sweden who was looking for some one-on-one -on -one meditation help, but um, you know, as she was talking, I realized you know maybe I could be of some assistance to her. But really, what she was asking for was sangha. She lived in a very remote place in Sweden, and she's a wonderful practitioner already and whatnot. And. I just felt oh, I got wanted to like teleport her, teleport her over here. She needed, she needed this room. She needed all of you. She needed us. She needed this, you know. And just recall, like taking a conscious effort to to send gratitude for this group, and just you know thinking of of that when I was on the phone with her, and then watching all of you who took all this energy <laughs> to come. And just filled me with so much gratefulness this morning. And just thank you all so much for holding the space for yourself and for each other. And it is really, really, really rare. It's extremely rare to have this support. So thank you all so much. Very, very beautiful. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.